episode 64 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out which amazing charity you want to donate your money to. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about gaming for good. First, we discuss some games we've played recently, like Legacy of Dragonhold, Azul, and Welcome To. Then, we talk about charities that are centered around gaming that do a lot of wonderful things. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Wow, Ambie, how have you been? Good. Yeah? Hanging in there? Uh-huh. Oh, wait, what's what that? was that? Hey, guys, I heard you were talking about board game-related charity events, and I really just could not miss this one. <gasps> Woo! It's Cassie! Yay! <laughs> what a surprise! Uh, we're so happy to see you. Well, hear you, I suppose. <laughs> So you, you're going to join us for the, the whole episode? The whole episode. Yay! Oh, man. I don't know. Ambie, don't tell Cassidy, but I've got some uh, restraints and we can just tie her up and that way she can never <laughs> Okay. So we'll just, it's, don't worry. Nothing malicious at all. It's all out of love, but I don't know if we're going to be able to let you go again, but I guess at least we get to for today. So that makes me happy. Since you both have played Legacy of Dragonhold, uh, I finally started playing, and I wanted to talk Yay! about it. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> Yay. So Legacy of Dragonhold was published in 2017, designed by Nikki Valens and a lot of people, and published by Fantasy Flight Games. It's for one to six players, but I've been playing it solo. It's a choose-your-own-adventure role-playing type game where there's a bunch of different passages, and you're reading through them, and you make different choices, and you have a character that you built and you can do different things and your character increases their stats and stuff. I've only gotten past the first chapter, or so I haven't played it too much, but it's a lot of fun. I've been playing it on my commute to work. I take a shuttle, so I can like pull out a book and read through it and then write it, mark down what I'm doing. And it's a little bit big for my shuttle because to keep everything in my seat is kind of hard, but if the, no one's sitting next to me, I can put the box there and take out book and then, then it's easier. That's kind of what, like, I would play in my car on mm-hmm. my lunch break at work. And so, like, yeah, like, I'd have some stuff on my lap and some stuff in the passenger seat next to me and, like, yeah. spread out. I played at lunch at work, too. So, but I took over, like, a whole big table. So every time oh. I pulled out the map, I could just spread it out on the table. But then people would come to lunch and there'd be one person at a whole big table and they'd give me dirty looks. <laughs> yeah. So the first adventure didn't need the map. And that one I could just do in my one seat. But then now that I'm at Dragonhold, there's a map that with the different locations that you're going to. So it's hard to pull that out while I'm in the shuttle. So... But it's still a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it because I like role-playing games, but uh, I don't like having to do all the setup for... Well, actually, I don't know. I've never DM'd a game, but I assume that I would not like all of that. <laughs> but it's nice because that's all done for you. There's uh, so many books and so much writing. <laughs> like I-, I can't imagine what it took to make this game. It's amazing. So... Yeah, that's Legacy of Dragonhold. It's still my number one game. It's still my number <laughs> one game. I'm, I'm on my third playthrough right third? now. Oh, I thought you were on second. Okay. Wow. No, the second one I did with my friends in East to and from uh-huh. Geekway. Oh, how cool. <laughs> and then I'm on my second solo playthrough now. Wow. There's still books I haven't seen. Yeah, is it going yeah. differently? Like 
Yeah, so far, but all I've done is um, that b- opening quest and the first day in Dragonholt. But my first day in Dragonholt, I just spent at the library the whole day. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pretty lovely day, to be honest. So That's as far as I yeah. am, but I didn't spend it all in the library. I went around like to a bunch of different places. Well, I will be curious to hear your thoughts once you finish it. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that you're enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. So I have played a lot of Azul recently. I could talk about so many games since I haven't been on the show since February, but I have played at least one game of Azul every day for the last four months. Or not every day, every week. Oh, one wow. game of Azul every week for the last four months. I was going to say, if you've been playing it every day, man, that's some commitment. That's insane. That's too much. I think that's even too much for me. Every Every week has been fine. However, that streak just broke and I'm really sad about it. Oh no! I'm really sad. I've I was sick, so I didn't go to my regular board game club, and then it it just didn't come up over the weekend, and now I'm really really sad <laughs> that it's not gonna. My streak is broken. That's, That's okay. okay. Azul will forgive you, and you can play it next week. That's the thing, though. I don't know. Can I can I go back to playing it after being away from it for <laughs> for week? one week after <laughs> playing it straight for four months? I don't know. I think I think can. it needs like a bigger break now. Aww. <laughs> well, tell us why you like Azul. Okay, so I really like tactile games, and I've said that when I talked about Sakatsu also. It has the nice clunky, chunky pieces that clink and make noise, and Azul's really good about that too, plus it's beautiful. It is a simple game to teach, but there's still a lot to a lot to it. It's still pretty thinky and you can really get in somebody else's way if you take just the right tiles that they wanted. And it's, I, I have a good time with it. I've been playing on the advanced side of the board now too, which is even harder. It's a, I love Azul. And Azul released just last year from, I know it released in the US from Next Move Games. And it did win the Spiel. Did it? Yes, because it beat the mind. Yes, that's right, yes. which is also great, but yes. <laughs> so Azul's awesome, and everybody should play it, basically. And really, for an, I mean, it's at its heart, it's an abstract strategy game, kind mm-hmm. of, but, like, it doesn't feel like it. And I guess that's because of, like, the tile drafting and the other aspects, but, like, I'm not always super keen to play abstract strategy games. Like, they're not ones that I'm drawn to, even if I enjoy them. And Azul is just great every time. And I, sometimes I do really super awesome, and sometimes I do horribly. And I love it no matter what. There was a game I scored only 19 points. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Because I kept getting hit with giant negative negative points. Yeah. yeah. It was a horrible game, but I still love it. I was in Mexico (laughs) recently, and we actually got to tour a tile factory while I was there. And I've got some pictures. Maybe I'll tweet one of them out after this episode releases, like, in the Blitz account. But, like, I was looking at this wall of tiles in this tile factory, and I was like, it's like real-life Azul. (laughs) Like, there were just tiles of all different, like ornate patterns and everything else and it was just so neat and everybody was like well did you buy some and I was like no because well they were heavy and even the small ones like (laughs) would have added a lot of weight to my bag and I don't know what I would have done with them so I recently got to play a uh, roll and write game 
that everybody's been talking about, it feels like, forever now. It's called Welcome To, and it was published in 2018 in America from Deepwater Games, but it's been published previously by uh, Blue Cocker and some other publishers um, in other locations. So Welcome To is in the roll-and-write genre of games, but it's actually more accurately a flip-and-write game, meaning there are no dice in the game. The randomization comes from a deck of cards. Uh, And I have to give a shout-out to our friends Jake and Danielle over at the Draft Mechanic podcast because they have turned... They, sorry, they have coined the term rando riders as an all-encompassing word for these types of games, and I love it. I think it's perfect. Rando riders fits whether you're using <laughs> cards or dice or some other mechanic that I don't can't think of right now, or maybe it doesn't even <laughs> exist yet. So uh, I'm going to try and help them make rando riders a thing, so that way we don't have to have this whole debate of, well, is it a roll and write game if it doesn't have dice in it? I like calling it a flip and fill. Flip and fill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool too. I do like the alliteration. So in Welcome To, players all have a piece of paper on it uh, with three different city streets and a number of houses on each street. As cards get flipped, players will all simultaneously choose from the three sets of cards that are visible, choosing a number and a special ability, and they will then write that number onto the roof of one of the houses on their score pad. Based on the special ability that was next to the number, they may also be able to use a cool ability to do things like draw a fence on their street, mark off a scoring area for parks or pools, or even duplicate a number that they've already written on their sheet. The number duplication is important because the numbers on the houses always have to be in sequential order or maybe I shouldn't say sequential I should say in increasing order because the numbers do not have to be right next to one another but like you can't write a five to the left of a four for instance so the numbers have to increase in value from the left side of your sheet to your right side but they don't have to be sequential but so that duplication allows you to break that rule a little bit and you're trying to fill up as many houses as possible for the purposes of some of the public objectives that were chosen at the beginning of the game so you keep flipping over cards everybody takes turns simultaneously and then once uh, one of the end game conditions has been met and there's a few of those whoever has the most points based on a bunch of different categories of scoring will win the game so the only other game that i've played in this genre that was card based was avenue and i did not like avenue at all so when this one came out i was like oh is it going to be another one that you know i'm not keen on that everybody else likes nope not the case i love it (laughs) it's awesome I'd heard lots of good things about it, and now I know why. It's really, really nice. Uh, The simultaneous actions mean that everybody's always engaged. There's no downtime. You can theoretically play with as many people as you want, which is kind of crazy and awesome. Like, you could get a giant room filled with people all playing the exact same game together. Um, And the concepts in the game are really simple, but the decisions you have to make are interesting because you have three different cards or pairs of cards to pick from each round, And sometimes you'll want the number that's on one card, but the special ability that's on another, and you can't combine them in the ways that you want. And, of course, the best part of this game is you get to name your town on your sheet. (laughs) It says, welcome to, and then there's a blank space. And so, of course, my town was called Pupville because puppies. (laughs) So I really like it. And as far as roll and write games in general, this rando writer genre, I'm just a fan. I, I have not encountered many of these that I did not like. So I'm just going to keep seeking them out because they're awesome. I love Welcome To. It's one of my favorites to take to board games right now. It doesn't 
hurt that I got six of the pages laminated, so I don't have to worry about people using all my paper. <laughs> I think that's that's honestly a really smart idea for this one. And we have a lot of moments in my game group specifically where we have a random amalgamation of people who need to kill like 15 to 20 minutes because, oh, we know that you know, Gwen and Chris are coming in 20 minutes and then Amber's going to be here in half an hour. So we don't want to leave them out kind of a thing. And so this is great to fill time if you need, and it doesn't matter how many people you have two, Mm -hmm. 20, everybody can play one. (laughs) Oh, can you? Oh, yeah, there is a solo game. I haven't gotten to try that yet, but once I get a copy of this one, I think I'm going to have to try the solo game. I bet I'll like it a lot. I rushed, I rushed in at origins to, to get a copy. Like I just, I can picture you like barreling through like the crowd. Like, get out of the way! (laughs) So, as Cassidy mentioned when she entered the recording session earlier in the episode, uh, we are going to be talking about how uh, charitable efforts and gaming go together and how important that stuff is to us and the gaming community as a whole. Um, We've kind of touched on this subject in the past. Uh, just briefly, but we wanted to do an entire segment about the charitable organizations that are related to tabletop gaming specifically. I selfishly joined this episode specifically to call out my amazing uh, game group. We've been doing Extra Life. This will be our fourth year. And in the first three years, we raised almost 20000 for our local children's hospital. Wow. Last year, we had like 20, 200 people show up for the event. So Extra Life is, it started out as a video game charity for Miracle Network Children's Hospitals, and board game people just sort of started, started taking over it. It's it's toted as a 24-hour board gaming extravaganza, just a 24-hour board gaming event that happens in November, but you can raise money for the charity from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So while the majority of the money is going to be raised during the 24 hours, people still have time to donate to the cause throughout the whole year so my club does events throughout the year we've had several events throughout the year at different breweries because my club is beers and board games (laughs) (laughs) who the breweries donate money based off of pint sales and then we get food trucks who donate money based off of their sales and it's been it's been a really great event the 24-hour event but it's been a really great cause for for our group for the last three, four years, four years. Yeah, now. the uh, the Children's Miracle Network is one of my favorite charities and has been since I was young. Like uh, when I was in college, I actually participated in dance marathons that were to benefit the Children's Miracle Network, where you had to dance for I want to say it was twelve hours straight. I will say even 20-year-old Crystal, who is much more spry than current-aged Crystal, uh, (laughs) that was hard. It was very hard. By the end of it, our feet hurt so, so much. But it like Children's Miracle Network is an amazing cause, and so I really have enjoyed helping them. I also, every time I go to a checkout counter and they, you know, say, oh, do you want to donate a dollar to whatever charity? If it's Children's Miracle Network, I always say yes, because it's a really good cause. Well, the great thing about that specific charity is... All of the money goes to the hospitals. There's there's no money that goes to other people, like with some other charities. 
Yeah, and I, what's neat about Extra Life specifically is when you sign up to um, raise money, you get to choose which Children's Miracle Network hospital the money you raise goes to, so you can directly benefit a hospital that is helping children in your area. And so yep. I think that that's really, really cool, because sometimes you don't know, even if a charity is like a good, reputable charity, you don't always know where your money is going, and I think it's really neat that you know exactly where your money is going when you raise it through Extra Life. So if people want to know more more about your Extra Life team, Cassidy. We will put a link in the show notes, but is there an easy way for something for them to just type in if they wanted to? Here's the Board Games Club of Columbus. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, I think it's, uh, as of the date of this recording, we don't have anything nailed down yet. My friends and I are doing a game day late in October, and I am trying to kind of reinvigorate my Extra Life page for that, but we don't have anything nailed down yet so hopefully i will get that together because last year we had a really fun extra life event where i wore an inflatable dino costume (laughs) enough money for that to happen i told them i'm probably not doing the dino this year uh only because wow it's hot in that costume (laughs) the place we're hosting it at is going to be much more crowded and busy this year and i don't want to like smack anybody with my inflatable tail (laughs) (laughs) i've never been able to participate in extra life but annette Netter's Place is hosting an event this year, I, I think on the 27th of October. I, I can't go because I'm busy, but it seems pretty cool, like hosting event and being able to just play games and donate to the charity. For sure. Yeah. And what's neat is if you wanted to, theoretically, you could join Annette's team and you can raise money in mm-hmm. conjunction with her event. And that's what everybody can do. So like, you don't have to be super knowledgeable or super connected to raise money for extra life. You can join somebody else's team. And even if you raise $5, that's still $5 that the Children's Miracle Network didn't have before. So if you, you know, have the, the ability to donate, consider donating. And if you can't donate, maybe consider helping recruit other people to donate because that's just as important. Spreading the word. Yep. So Extra Life is a really amazing charity, but they're not the only one that raises money for good causes in the world of tabletop gaming. Yeah, there's also the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, which is associated with the Dice Tower, which we are a part of. But they they have a whole fund that they apply to board gamers in need. So if you're a board gamer and you've had a terrible life event happen to you or something, then they have a fund set aside for people like that. There's multiple events throughout the year that raise money for it. Like there's a Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction and we actually participated in it. Last year we had a Twilight Imperium 4 game where we were playing with the winner. So that was cool. So yeah, people were able to bid uh, mm-hmm. on that item in the auction to play in the game with us. And who knows, maybe we'll do another <laughs> one of those this year. But um, the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund is definitely near and dear to our hearts because of our friendship with Tom and mm-hmm. the Dice Tower. So um, just as some backstory for it, uh, Tom had an infant son who passed away uh, after being alive for just a couple of months back in uh, 2010 and 2011. And the the gaming community really rallied around Tom during that really difficult time in his life. And 
and he wanted to find a way to kind of pay it forward because he really appreciated how the gaming community stepped up and helped him when he needed assistance and he wanted to be able to do that for other people and that is how the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund got founded so yeah now you can make a donation to the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund and then if someone in the gaming community if something tragic happens or you know it could be something like um, a weather related event or a, you know a family member or anything that's you know kind of along those lines um, they can reach out for help and I think it's really neat because it, this charity is specifically related to tabletop gaming mm-hmm. in its entirety and that's really neat and it's a it's a wonderful legacy for Tom and his family to provide on behalf of their son so some other charities that are related um there is game for the cause which has been going on in austin texas since 2013 they are um, an austin-based gaming convention uh, and they donate all of their proceeds to safe place safe place is a uh, charity that helps victims of um, sexual and domestic violence and they do a lot of really good work in Texas. And I think it's really cool that a, a gaming convention is kind of helping out with something um, that's a little bit outside of what I think we would normally think of as charities related to gaming. Um, but they're raising good money for that cause. And I don't know if this is really a charity, but um, I remember seeing a while ago on Reddit that someone ran a board game convention in Uganda. And a lot of children went there and played board games and I think they were raising money on Kickstarter so that seemed like a really good cause just getting people playing board games together because that like just playing board games is great for development and for interacting with other people. And it's really, it's nice to see the gaming communities in more uh, privileged places kind of help reach out and help people in less privileged areas of the world. And I think that board games are a really neat way to kind of bridge us to other people. Some of, you know, board games can even be language independent. Like you could theoretically sit down at a table and play a game with people that you don't even have the ability to speak to Mm -hmm. um, and you can still feel a connection with them. And I think that that's a really cool thing. And there's also Child's Play, which did start out primarily with video game focus, and it still is, I think. But since 2003, Child's Play has been providing toys and games to over 100 hospitals that are within their network. I'm not sure what that network is, but you can find all that information on their website. What they do is they take the money, the rate that they've raised and get toys and video games and board games and other activities for kids to do while they're uh, in the hospital, in one of the hospitals that are part of the net, part of this network for the charity. But it's actually a really great cause and the, the guys behind it are pretty awesome. Yeah, that one's really neat. And I think, I believe you can actually, they create wish lists for um, the hospitals within their network. And so rather than just donating money, you can actually go and purchase the things on their wish list and have it directly delivered. So oh. you, again, it's kind of that whole, you can know exactly where your money's going, what it's going to and who it's going to. And I think, you know, um, that's always, like that makes me feel even more warm and fuzzy than just making a monetary donation and kind of sending it out into the void. Like, I like knowing that like, wow, I could buy, you know, a game of hey, that's my fish, theoretically, and send it to a hospital and know that some kids there are going to get some really neat enjoyment out of being able to play it. I don't know why that's the one I picked, just because it's got a funny (laughs) name. (laughs) So why do you think all of these charities exist? I know that's kind of a silly question, 
But like, you know, it, it feels like there are more and more people wanting to do good things in the tabletop hobby. Um, and what do you guys think that is? I think it's one of those things where as more people start joining the hobby, then you get a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different views. And obviously, the more people are involved, the easier it's going to be to donate or participate in a charity event on a larger scale. It's you don't feel like it's just you out there in the void trying to give your five bucks in. You've got a group of people with you and you're all working towards the same cause. Yeah. And I think as for the charity being related to board gaming instead of just a generic charity, it's you feel more connected to a charity if it's related to your hobby, I think. So you feel like you're doing more for it and it's like like minded people coming together that have a shared hobby and doing the charity. So I think that can attract people because of the hobby. Well, and especially for the, for the ones where you're donating games or you know mm-hmm. games are going to get purchased with the money you're donating. I think for those of us that are in the hobby, we know that we get great joy out of playing board games. Yeah. And so I think it's an easy way to help spread that joy. Obviously, I can take a board game and go teach it to somebody, but I can't do that all over the world or even all over the country necessarily. And so yeah. it's a way to help bring that joy to people that you may not be able to connect with um, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Now I want that to be my job. I just want to <laughs> do that. Just travel the country and teach children how to play board games. I'll do that. Let's do it. At one point, I actually <laughs> considered, I was like, if I bought an RV... And literally just, like, drove laps around the country all year, like, visiting board game conventions, tabletop game conventions. And, like, I was like, how do I make this into a lucrative business that would also, not even lucrative, but just, like, a self-sustaining business? I really thought about that, too, once. I was going to make a video, or not a video, but, um, like, a coffee table book, just pictures and stuff from the conventions and what it's like when you're there. Not, not what you see, but what it's like, what it's really like. But that was forever ago before I had a child and a boyfriend. <laughs> I don't think I own any coffee table books. I feel like those still exist, but I, I don't know if I've ever had one. <laughs> I definitely don't. I have a few, but I don't have a coffee table. <laughs> Maybe if you buy enough coffee table books, you can build a coffee table out of coffee table books. And then it's, they're even more appropriate. We had to get rid of the coffee table because corners and toddlers. Oh, yeah. Ah, that, that'll do it. So, um, and I wanted to mention, I thought, obviously, like, raising money and donating games for charitable causes is, will, will just make people feel good. And I think that that's the primary reason that people do it. But I do also have a theory that gamers, both tabletop and video game, are potentially more compelled to do fundraising projects because we are already kind of hardwired to attempt to win at things. And like a lot of fundraising campaigns have like tangible goals or incentives that you can reach if you raise a certain amount of money. And I feel like as gamers, those goals and incentives are even more powerful for us than they would be maybe for a non-gamer. So, and I, I think honestly that that's not a bad way to approach it if you are trying to get other people to donate and I think like that's why last year I did the t-rex costume because (laughs) if you throw something funny and as an incentive people really want to hit it and they'd be more even more compelled to donate than if there were no incentives involved so if you want to raise some money do something silly like that it doesn't even have to cost you anything necessarily um you know find what you already have 
So yeah, helping people is just an awesome thing to do. And we are going to put links in the show notes to uh, Cassidy's Extra Life thing. If I've started one by the time we release this episode, I'll put my, <laughs> my link in there as well. The Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, Game for the Cause. Uh, and we'll put a link to Child's Play as well. So yeah, you know, if you can donate money, donate money. If you can't, donate your time or whatever resources you have and help people in need because it's just an awesome thing to do. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Reavers of Midgard is coming to Kickstarter on November 1st, so make sure to back it as soon as it launches. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel. We're super close to hitting our next goal, and if we hit it in the next few weeks, Crystal and I are going to do something fun at BGGCon in November. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow, with technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, who can say if games can do something better? But because we play them, we sure can game for good. Bye, everyone! Oh, bye. oh my god, I have to go next, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to be all out of sorts. We're going back in time. <laughs> oh, alliteration time. Oh, alliteration. It's alliteration time. Woo! All right, last week, we asked you to retheme a dual-role social deduction game for some distant relatives that don't live in the city. Ambi, what game was that? That was Country Cousins Coup. <laughs> that was Country Cousins Coup. <laughs> this week, here, Cassidy, why don't you tell us what we're asking them to retheme for us this week? We're asking you to retheme a gateway game with hexagons for a feline who lives at a large, ornate church. Good luck, everybody!